I'm Greg Dewar, and today you'll hear my story on San Francisco People. Welcome to San Francisco People. I'm Frank Garza. Now, I remember my first bus ride in San Francisco when I moved here back in 2009. I was living down in the marina near Pearson Beach, and uh, I'd been here a couple weeks and mostly been getting around through cabs and and walking. Um, For some reason, the bus system seemed a little complicated to me. I'd never lived in a real urban city before, you know, where you took a lot of public transportation. But one day, I decided to uh, give it a try. Um, I wanted to go down to Union Square to take care of some things, and so I walked on down to Pearson Chestnut, and I hopped on the 30. I uh, paid my $1.50, which is, I believe, how much it cost at the time, and I headed down to Union Square without uh, too many issues, actually. But then when it was time for me to get off, you know, near my stop, you know, I was feeling pretty good about myself. That I, had, that I had made this journey without any issues. I had made it to my stop. Um, when the bus driver stopped, I just waited at the door. And uh, the doors never opened. And I got the famous, step down, from somebody yelling behind me. And uh, that's when I realized I had to step down to that lower, that lower step to get the door open. And uh, in my many years riding the Muni since, I've seen plenty of poor souls Uh, get that same yelling at about stepping down over the years. So it would have been nice to know um, my guest on today's show at the time, Greg Dewar, Um, because Greg Dewar has really become a, you know, local muni and public transportation expert in San Francisco. He's the author of a blog called the N Judah Chronicles. And the N Judah is a muni metro line rail Um, that runs through the city and it's one of the most popular lines one of the most heavily commuted lines in in all the city and it runs all the way across the city Um, it starts at the caltrain station near the ballpark and it'll take you all the way to ocean beach Um, the end judah chronicles um, was started by greg um, when he sent an email to a few friends one day chronicling um, some of the issues he had had riding the end judah one day just to run some errands and that email went viral, and um, so we got the idea to start a blog, and so he launched the Judah Chronicles, and 10 years later, that blog is still going today. And over the course of those 10 years, like I said, you know, Greg has become really a, a muni and public transportation expert in San Francisco, and um, he, he delves into other politics as well on the uh, blog. One of the things we talk about on the show today is the... Uh, you know, the so-called housing crisis here in San Francisco. Crisis might be a little bit extreme, but um, Greg touches on that. Uh, Greg lives in the inner sunset, and so we also talk about his favorite places there and throughout San Francisco. Let's go talk to Greg. about the end judah chronicles sure um you know we got to talk about that of um, course <laughs> and you know i've read about how it started um which i think is pretty interesting but i want you to share um how that blog came to be well 
funny thing, it's actually next month will be the 10th anniversary of the blog. Um, if you had told me 10 years ago, I'd still be writing about this stuff on Twitter or on the blog or whatever, I'd say, what are you talking about? But what had happened was I lived in L.A. for a year. Um, I moved away thinking I'd go to L.A. and live in L.A. because that would be fun. And it was one of those decisions where almost everything went wrong that could have gone wrong. Right. And uh, so I finally moved back at the end of 2004. And, uh, well, I guess it was December 2004. And I came back to this town with not a lot of money in my pocket, not sure what I was going to do next. But, you know, within a few, within a week, I found a uh, place to live for cheap. And within two weeks, I started getting jobs again. Uh, in the political field, you know, contract jobs. And, but I didn't have a car. For the first time in my life, I didn't have a car. And so I remember one day, I thought, well, I'm going to go to the store. And I took the Anjuda. And, you know, I, so I started kind of noting what's going on around me. And I wrote a little email, funny, sarcastic email to a bunch of friends in town. Sent it out, didn't even think about it. Within two weeks, that email went viral. I started getting emails from other pe- people I didn't even know saying, could you write another one of these things? It's kind of funny. <laughs> I'm like, well, okay, I guess. Do you remember, like, what was the story? Like, what happened that day? It was just, it was just like, it was just like everything that could go wrong on a ride to the to the Market Street Safeway went wrong. You know, you had people on the bus, you know, the train acting up. Then the train had to stop because someone had blocked the road with their double parked car. And then I got to the store, you know, and it was like everything would go wrong with you know shopping at the store went wrong. They didn't have half the things I wanted. They didn't have. And then I'm behind the guy who was paying in pennies, you know, you know, and coupons and stuff. And you know, and then it, it was it was it was you know this silly little like you know sarcastic story about you know everything that could go wrong went wrong you know why you know and and so I you know I've sent this thing out so then I thought well hmm this might be kind of a fun summer blog to do I didn't even call it Anjuna Chronicles at first I called it something else I don't even remember um and I just thought well it'd be kind of fun to do a little blog about writing muni lines and stuff and just going places and whatever and so I did this for the summer and then people again started saying hey you should do more of this. You should keep writing this. And I thought, oh, I'll do it for a year. <laughs> and uh, as I started writing the blog, I started writing, you know, went, you know, you go beyond the silly stories and you start to realize, you know, start noticing other things because if you've driven a car around San Francisco, you know, most of your life, you can buy, miss a lot of things around town that make this city a fun place to live. And when you take this little slower pace of being on public transit, you start to notice a lot more things, at least I did. And so I started writing about that. But then also I started wondering, well, why is this like that and such and such? So as I started kind of doing my own reading, I realized you can really tell the story of anything about San Francisco via the transit line, but how decisions are made, uh, how political decisions are made, how money is spent, how things are, how development is done. You can do, you can see it all from the perspective of the evolution of Muni, you know, which you know, in and of itself is a revolutionary instrument. It, is, it was the first publicly owned uh, ma- you know, mass transit system in the United States and one of the first ones in the world. Mm-hmm. Prior to that, most of them were privately owned. Even in San Francisco, we, we had privately owned um, transit, mostly through Southern Pacific Railroad. And so the idea that you have something that was you know, designed to work just for the benefit of the people and no one else, you know, even today, I think a lot of people would be shocked that that's the mission. But it is. And it's it's something that I think we've, we've forgotten. And I think it's something we need to assert a little bit more. You know, I think citizens need to say, hey, this is my system and I want it to work for all of us. You know, uh, in 2010, uh, I co-authored a story, um, you know, about the uh, 
Muni system with uh, Joe Eskenazi, who's now at um, San Francisco Magazine, uh, called the Muni Death Spiral. And so when we did a lot of research and, you know, it was one of the most popular, you know, um, issues they ever did, um, not to humble brag there, but it was also one of the longest cover stories we did. And we had to hack out a lot from it. But the whole assertion on our thing was, no, this is your system. It's yours. And so... You know, as I started, you know, exploring these things, you know, over the course of the blog, you know, it was, it became kind of fun, you know, and it's, it still is, although I've had other things get in the way of writing long form and also technology has changed a lot. So do you still have that, that original email that started it all? Do you still have that somewhere? It's the first post on the blog. Okay. You can go through the archives by year and you go to 2005. It's the very, it's slightly modified just because to fit, you know, the format of the, of the blog. You should repost it for your 10-year anniversary. Oh, I bet a, people, we will. a lot of people would like to see that, and they probably might not go all the way down to the beginning. That's the hardest thing to do with you know, a, a blog or anything is that people don't always realize you've got 10 years worth of content on there on different subjects. And right. I, just, I just moved the site to WordPress because the software that I paid for is now Orphan Software. And the, when I built the original blog on it, I had to move everything over and all the comments and wasn't easy um but it was you know but it, it but yeah there's a lot of uh, fun stuff on it's not all policy you know yeah. want kind of stuff you know and i didn't and i just and i said if it becomes that i'm gonna quit right well let's talk about some of those stories you know you've been writing about your adventures on muni for 10 years mm-hmm. now i want to know what some of your favorite stories are like what well maybe what's a funny story one of the funniest fun, stories this is, one of, this is one of the best ones i've got okay it's one of the first ones i wrote too um I used to live on Parnassus Avenue, and uh, Parnassus Avenue is unique in that it's served by the six Parnassus, and I have fact, I had a bus stop like three doors down from where I was living. But you can also take the, you know, get on the end Judah, get off at UCSF on, um, you know, what becomes, you know, Carl becomes Irving or whatever, and there's an elevator that'll take you all the way up to uh, the hill to uh, Parnassus. Hmm. So then you, so it's really easy to use, you know. Anyways, I was on the six Parnassus one day. I was coming in. For, I was doing a job downtown. It was a really hot, like, summer day. And the six Parnassus has been known in the past to have some of the jankiest buses. You know, the older, kind of crummy ones that no one likes. I don't know why. I don't know if that's always the case now, but it was when, on this day. And it was packed full of people. It was packed at downtown. And they're going up the hill. And, you know, they have all the windows are open, but everyone's still hot and sweaty. And everyone wants to go home. And there's this young woman, and she's on the cell phone, and she's talking really loud. And she would, and so, and it, it was really annoying because you heard every detail about, you know, personal lives and, th- and things. I, you know, TMI, I think, is the term. Yeah. You know, too much information. And so people were saying, "Could you just keep it down?" They didn't say, "Don't talk on the phone." They just said. Could you keep it down a little, you know, while because we're all crammed, you know, it was jam packed. Yeah, time, it was yeah. like you, you couldn't breathe in there. And every time she's like, you know, well, you know, use a you know long line of you know profanity and screw you and this. And so I'm sitting there, I'm just like, oh god, you know, there's one in every crowd, right? And then I realize, oh wait a minute, there is because there's this guy, and you know, this is San Francisco, and you got these people out there, and I call them like urban smartasses. <laughs> And this guy's like sitting a few few uh, seats away, pulls out his cell phone, calls his roommate, says, "Dude, you got to listen to this." And so then every time she said something, he repeated it to his roommate on the phone. He kept doing this really loud, 
And finally she turns to him and says, well, you son of a bitch, you can't do that, blah, blah, blah. He's like, well, you said it to the whole fucking boss. Yeah. You know, it's like, I figured it must be important. So I bet I had to call my roommate, make sure he was in on the information too. And everyone started laughing so much. <laughs> the girl turned bright red, got off at the next, you know, stop. And then when this guy got off the train, everyone just was like... You know, give him the, you know, the, Pat him on the, the back. yeah, the golf clap, you know, it was like everyone's high fiving him. And it was like, you know, at that one moment, it was like everyone was unified, yeah. you know, and I was like, it, it was just such a like a tension reliever. And it was just so funny to watch because I remember I was like, I couldn't make something up this good, you know, right. but it was also just kind of funny to see instead of it becoming like a fist fight or something, which is, you know. Unfortunately, what seems to happen more often now, uh, this was kind of it was just kind of a way to blow tension off. And, you know, it was like all she had to do was just keep it down. No one cared if she was on her stupid phone. You know, it's like. Right. But uh, but I just remember sitting there and just like, God, this thing sucks. You know, this is awful. But um, what about what about the most shocking thing you've ever seen? on Muni? The fight I mind? saw two weeks ago. Oh, really? What happened? Well, it was when they were they were running the buses because they're redoing the Sunset Tunnels, getting uh, uh, upgrades and the track upgrades and seismic upgrades and whatever. And so they had buses running. So I was waiting for the bus. And uh, now I heard this guy making all these noises, yelling people, yelling at people and stuff. And I said, oh, just some urban crazy. But no, it was this younger guy who obviously had been taking or drugs or drinking or something. And he was looking to pick a fight with someone. He went by a couple of bars saying, you know, screw you this and blah, blah, that. And I'm like, this guy's going to get his ass kicked. You know, <laughs> you know, I mean, you don't walk by an Irish bar and start saying things to people, and you know, not expect to get something said or done to you. But then, and then the thing is, I got on the, so I got on the bus and then he got on the, and of course, in the back, didn't pay. And I'm like, oh, God, I hope I'm just like, please, God, you know, can you know, let him step put on him me. on some downers or something, you know. But then he started picking a fight with these kids and these kids kept saying, you know, Hey, dude, we don't want to fight you, but stop it. Other passengers were telling this guy, hey, dude, you need to calm down. And, of course, that just made him more, you know, I, mean, I think he was like on meth or something. But all of a sudden, we were stopped over by UCSF, and these guys started going at it. There was like blood flying out of, you know, and one of the, the kids actually jammed, jabbed me in the side with his elbow by mistake. And I didn't really, I mean, I'm like, well, I don't really care, but... I, there was no way for me to get out of the way because I was sitting in one of those one seats by the window. And of course, you know, old people on the bus freak out and they got off and the, you know, the, the driver called the, the cops. Yeah. You know, but these kids were going at it and then um, another bus pulled up behind so we were all getting on that one and then, you know, missed the guy who instigated the fight tried to get on our bus and I said to the driver, I said, you don't want him on this bus. He started the fight that shut down the other one. So the driver grabbed his transfer away. It says, not on my bus, get away. But the funny thing was, uh, and I, I was surprised, and there's one kid got bit, and he had a pretty distinct... During this fight? Yeah, this one of the kids got bit in the face. Ugh. And then and then there was another one got punched in the face and was you know drawn, drew blood out of his nose. But the funny thing is the kid that jabbed me came up to me and said, I'm so sorry for jabbing you. I didn't mean to do that. You know, we just, and I said, you know, that's cool. I don't care. You know, I said, frankly, he had it coming to him. You know, he was, he was trying to pick a fight with someone. He didn't care who it was, but I've never seen someone get bit before and draw blood. And I told the kid, I said, you need to go get a tetanus shot. You don't know where he's been. <laughs> you know? Right. And I was just, but I was the first time I've been on a, on a bus where I've seen an actual fight go from kids yelling at each other and talking trash to actually like, physically punching each other and punching themselves, you know, each other pretty hard, you know? I mean, I've had other friends who have been on, you know, Muni when there's fights that broke out. I had one friend who got her 
hand injured, you know, um, pretty seriously, you know, because hmm. she just happened to be on there and she was trying to get out of the way and, and she got her hand hurt, you know, and that was back when there was like the whole, the media was really getting into muni fights as like a thing to talk about. And, right. You know, and I I've told never her, seen one. Oh, this did, it, it depends about. on what line you're on, you right. know, I mean, I, I don't like to like stereotype any one particular line, but 45, so, yeah. I ride is pretty low key. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I'll tell you, man, it's like, you know, you don't want to get in, get away with those people on the, on the end when they're trying to uh, get off at Ninth and Irving, you know, what's sort of where I live, you know, and right. when one of the Giants games on it, I want to go see the Giants game. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so I want to ask you about some of the posts that, that caught my eye. Sure. And, um, you know, you know, like we were talking about, you don't just write about stories anymore. You, you've kind of become this local public transportation muni expert and you kind of delved into just local politics mm-hmm. and just talked about any San Francisco issue. And so I think maybe your most recent or one of the most recent ones you put out there was, um, you wanted to create a new holiday for San Francisco, a holiday from housing talk. Yeah. Getting fed up from with everybody yes. talking about that. Can you talk about that blog post? Well, <laughs> in the last few years as you know, yes, there is a problem with housing in this town. Yes. It's getting very expensive. This is a problem that's been decades in the making. It's not going to be solved tomorrow. But what's frustrating to me is that so much of the discussion is made from people who don't know what they're talking about, or it's all cliches. It dev- everything devolves into like a, you know the comments forum on SF Gate, and there was just one. I mean, and I remember it was like one night I was on Twitter. It was ten in the evening on a Friday, and it just exploded. This big roundtable discussion of of 140 characters of epithets or you know, assertions or whatever, some by people who actually know what they're talking about, and most by people who just want to shoot their mouth off. And I'm just sitting there, I'm like, it's, don't you guys have anything better to do with your time? And then I realized, wait, why am I commenting on this? I should have something better to do with my time. <laughs> Joking aside, though, I think that the discussion has devolved so much. And also because we we really do need a breather. People need to pull back a little bit because... No one's willing to, uh, everyone's, you know, everyone's trying to assert themselves, you know, either because they have an agenda or just because they think they're right or whatever. Um, And no one's willing to listen to each other anymore. I kind of thought, well, could we just have one day we just don't talk about this stuff? Yes, it's important. And yes, we should be all be concerned. But could we just have one day we just, you know, not talk about it? You know, I mean, it, it becomes such a topic of discussion about, you know, how much rent are you paying and blah, 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 and rent control this and build supply that and moratorium this. And I just, I remember one day I was just like, you know what? Screw this. You know, <laughs> let's just have one day where we can talk about the Giants. That'd be cool, right? <laughs> you know, everyone likes the Giants. Yeah. You know, in San Francisco. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, in all seriousness, though, I mean, the other thing I was just trying to bring up was, you know, like, this is a problem that's not going to be solved tomorrow. And it's not going to be solved in a year and it's not going to be solved, you know, anytime soon. It's going to take a long time. And there were a lot of bad decisions made in the past, you know, uh, in the 70s. I mean, growing up, I remember hearing about preservation and and anti-Manhattanization. Those were the code words for don't build anything. Mm. Don't build anything that's out of character of the neighborhood. Um, I mean, if you go to the Richmond or the Sunset, you see with the Richmond specials where people were redeveloping the big lots and have like maybe four units instead of one house. 
And, you know, there was one supervisor, Jake McGoldrick, you know, served, he was elected in 2000. His career was built early on on fighting the quote-unquote Richmond specials. Today, if you would propose those people, be like, that's a good way to increase density without destroying a neighborhood's character. But back then it was, no, you're destroying the neighborhoods. Mm -hmm. You know, um, uh, there are many opportunities to, uh, you know, you know, address these things, especially with transportation. I mean, one of the reasons why you don't see a lot of high-density development in the Sunset District is because there's really no access to BART out there. And the reason why the mission's popular, you have access to BART. Mm-hmm. And, you know, people like that kind of thing. Also, it would be very difficult. Some people are now saying, well, why don't we have more towers around Golden Gate Park? There's all this vacant space. And I'm thinking, are you insane? There's nowhere to move all those people. You'd have to build a Sunset Subway or something, mm-hmm. you know, or a Geary Subway to accommodate all those people. Well, are we going to do that? You know. So there's all these little fine, you know, these fine, you know, uh, particles to the debate here that don't they get this. Instead, it devolves to, well, it's all rent control's fault. Well, it's all the progressives' fault. Oh, it's all the developers' fault and blah, blah, blah. It's all tech's fault. Yeah, it's just, uh, yeah. Or it's, it, which <laughs> That's what I seem to like I hear most of the time. They're you like know, the easy scapegoat. They are a scapegoat. They are. It is an easy scapegoat, and I think it's unfair. You know, I mean, I I can I see it from both sides. You know, I having grown up and been here, and I remember a time when things weren't as nice. You know, I think of there's there's a lot of nostalgia for the past, and I said people don't realize crime was a lot worse in San Francisco thirty or forty years ago. Um, the city was a lot dirtier. Um, it was a lot more segregated. There was a lot more racism. There was a lot more bad things, you know, uh, you know, homophobia, things like that. You know, those things were a problem here. They're not a well, they're still a problem, but not like in the more brazen way that you had, you know, thirty or forty years ago. And I think the other and the other thing is that um, jobs. You know, there was a time when the job situation here really wasn't that good. So to say that oh well, there's too many people with good paying jobs. There's too many people with good paying jobs. That's the problem. There are plenty of cities around this country that would kill for that problem. Yeah. It's just a matter of how do you manage that then? How do you mitigate that, you know, infusion of wealth and, you know, do and manage it in such a way so that you don't burn the burn the city and don't don't kill the things that brought people here in the first place. A lot of tech people have moved into my neighborhood in the in the inner, inner, outer sunset because there's a Google bus that runs down 19th. And I remember, and I, and I tell the story, you know, with no pretense intended, but um, I was having problems with my old platform where I was actually being blocked by Google because I had malware and I didn't know what to do. And so I posted a tweet saying, does anyone know how to fix this thing? And I got a DM from someone, I live up the street from you, I'll come over and, and fix it. I'll show you how to fix it and blah, blah, And this guy comes over, I never, I talked to on Twitter, but I'd never met in my life. And he worked at Google and he came over and he helped me fix my blog. And I was like, I was just in awe. I was like, well, thank you. Yeah. You know, thank you, Lone Ranger, you know, for saving me here. I really appreciate it. But but I thought, well, that was kind of cool. You know, it's maybe there's a good side of this tech thing, you know. Right. But also, I don't think it's the tech people. It should be, it should be the realtors. Mm-hmm. And by the realtors, I don't mean people who are who do that as a living. I mean the San Francisco Board of Realtors. You know, who pushed some obnoxious legislation over the years, you know, they've made the problem because they, they're making fabulous amounts of money. And then they use that money. You know, they, you know, the association uses that to influence political campaigns. You know, I mean, I they, they had a thing at City Hall about no monster in the mission and moratorium. Like they should have walked one block over to Grove Street and gone to this SF Board of Realtors and do a sit in at their offices. That would have been cool. Yeah. 
full disclosure, I used to work for them, but or my <laughs> company had them as a client and I did some work for them, but you did a, um, you did a post, um, that you were named one of the top Twitters. Yeah. Twitter handles in San Francisco to follow. And I actually saw this, um, cause this wasn't that long ago. Was it? Yeah. I, I think I read this article. I was following you and that's, that's how I came across you by the way, as mm. I first saw you on Twitter. And I, and I was think, that on Thrillist. I think so. Yeah. Or one of them like that, but there was two, there was two of them that got on. You, you wrote something like, um, like, Hey, what's going on? Hello. New Twitter followers. Yeah. What's going on here? Is yeah. that right? Cause that's, yeah. that's what I remember. Were you just getting flooded when that happened? Well, I just started noticing. I remember my phone was making a lot of noise. The one was this person just followed you on Twitter. And I'm like, well, why? <laughs> and it was, there was, there was, I looked at the numbers were going up like every hour. And I'm like, where are all these people coming from? I don't know. Did I do something? Did I say something to piss everyone off? <laughs> you know, or did I say something really funny? You know, and yeah, I was on the list. I was like, wow, thanks, Thrillist. That was really cool of you. Yeah. And then there was another one too that came out a few weeks later. And I was like, again, okay. I, I don't know what I'm doing right. You know, I mean, you know, I, I'm trying to tone it down a little bit, you know, just because it's, so easy to say stupid stuff on Twitter, you know, and you have to, you know, you have to follow some rules if you want to. So you used to be really like outlandish and aggressive on there? Like, no, what, what I were usually was drunk. Uh, <laughs> you were drunk tweeting. Well, you know, you had a couple of drinks at the happy hour. You're coming over from the bar and you see something, you make a snarky remark or whatever. Or if you've had a particularly crappy day at work and then you're like, I'm in a bad road, you know. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, like for a long time, I used to have a thing on the blog, which is don't blog when you're angry. Mm-hmm. And if you do, don't post it. Yeah. Hold off for 24 hours. And if you're still that mad, then go ahead and do it. Usually you won't post it. You'll whittle it down, you know. Right. But uh, I tell you, you know what? One of the things I miss about um, the past is that Gavin Newsom was the funnest guy to make fun of, you know? I mean, his administration was so, you know, they were so weird about muni issues. They were always, like, taking money out of the budget for other departments and doing all this. And he was such a natural foil, you know? It was like, it's like making fun of the captain of the football team, you know? Mm-hmm. And you're the class, you know, clown or whatever. And, you know, Ed Lee is not much fun to make fun of. Really? You know, he's just kind of blah, and he's just kind of, like, does whatever he's told by Ron Conway and his, and his you know, his donors or whatever and it's just kind of like eh, you know it's like it kind of sucks but you know what are you gonna do he's gonna get reelected anyways no one's gonna run against him that's got a chance of running i mean yeah yeah well, so when you say that name so that i had this guy on my podcast a few uh episodes ago um his name was travis sigley and he's a professional cuddler um basically what? <laughs> what, a, 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 a professional cuddler um, so if you haven't been cuddled in a while, you, you can pay this guy like 70 or 80 bucks and he'll cuddle with you for an hour. Um, oh my so, God. I mean, I can, I can probably get you a discount if you're interested, but, uh, <laughs> I asked him, I said, um, if there's anybody in San Francisco you could cuddle with, who would it be? And he said, Mayor Ed Lee. Um, <laughs> and from what I've, what I, you, okay, know, you, br- you bring up the mayor and you know, the reason I bring that up is because, um, from what I've researched and like read about you mm-hmm. and like heard you on other like podcasts, I got the impression you weren't a big fan yes. of the mayor um, and like his his policies and his policy towards Muni. Muni is that accurate? Yes, that's very accurate. I mean, here's the here's my problem with the mayor. He said he wasn't going to run, and then he did. And I think the thing is, I have I said when he got appointed, I thought if he just like serves out the remainder of Newsom's term, 
and does a good job of it. He, I said, he will be remembered as the most loved mayor, bestest mayor ever. They'll like write songs about him. People in the history books will say this guy was really did the right thing. But instead, it became this con job of like, you know, he gets in there you know, to do this phony campaign that was done by Enrique Pierce, who you may have heard about lately in the news. What did uh, he do? Oh, he got busted on child porn. Oh, that was that guy. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Anyways, uh, and he got paid lots of money to do that. Lots of money to fill people's ballots out for him. Um, you know, this it became this whole the whole mayor's race became this whole kind of con job. It was like he's not like Newsom, but he's business friendly, and oh, he's so cute. And, and the thing is, everyone was trying to be nice to each other because under they thought under ranked choice voting, well, you better not be negative. So you'd go to the debates, and they would be nothing. I mean, they'd just be a bunch of people talking you know, positive. And, and the only one that was actually willing to take a shot at Lee was uh, Dennis Herrera, who still serves as our city, city attorney and is a fine individual. Um, but like the, the whole, the, you know, any real discussion about things like muni or housing or jobs or whatever really got glossed over. And so, you know, here's a time chance where we had a really big decision to make. And then we get this guy in there who isn't a politician that's good, I suppose, but it's not good because he doesn't really care. I mean, if you're not part of the tech sector, he could give a hoot about you or your problems or whatever. And I remember when he got elected, I even said, look, I'm being very sincere. Hey, Mr. Mayor, why don't you ride the end Judah with me and talk to writers about Muni? I was very serious about that. And I was said, look, no, I'm not setting you up. You know, I, and I, you know, I put this whole thing out and I got nothing out of it. You know, I mean, even you put a that note, out on your blog. Yeah, like yeah. Yeah. Just say, look, you know, why not? What's the harm that it could do? And, you know, when, you know, when he got elected, he said, well, Prop G passed, so there's no problems at Muni. And I'm like, are you kidding me? You know, and it, you know, we've had a lot of challenges, you know, at the MTA while he's been in mayor. Things like dealing with what, you know, the rise of Uber and Lyft and these car sharing services. And, you know, now there's this bus, uh, the Leap bus. Chariot or something and cha- like that? Well, there's Chariot and then there's the okay. Leap, Leap bus, which uh, the Public Utilities Commission of California just shut down for you know, regulatory issues um, and so on and so forth. And, you know, passing the bond and all these other things that are going on. And, uh, you know, the mayor's really not been that strong on muni issues. And so it was kind of like, I remember when they had the 100th anniversary of muni, they had this ceremony over uh, uh, on the, you know, F line. And they had this, the old number one, which is the very first muni, you know, streetcar ever. It's been refurbished, awesome looking. You know, they had this, this one event and it was all for city staff and lobbyists and stuff. And then the only people that got to ride on the you know old number one's first public run since being renovated was all of his campaign donors mm-hmm. and, and and Feinstein and a bunch of you know bureaucrats or whatever. And I'm like, there was nothing for the citizen to participate in for their own you know system. And it was like, I remember sitting there watching this, and I was like, this is bullshit. You know, this is total bullshit. And the other thing is Muni passed up a very good chance to build some goodwill with the public and tell the story of, you know, it didn't, wouldn't cost a lot of money, but tell the story of the People's Railway. There's all kinds of great, you know, stories and pictures and things in the archives that they could be doing, they could have shown people, and they just didn't. Mm-hmm. And so now it's 2015 and who cares, you know. Yeah. But, and, and it's unfortunate also because, you know, once again, like with when Newsom got elected, you know, he's getting, you know, we have the re-election in 2007 where Newsom had problems, real problems, you know, with, you know, the friend's wife and whatever. 
and yet no one could could be bothered to run against him. Mm-hmm. You know, it was like, okay, we're just going to give. And then this is, I think, a bigger problem that we have in San Francisco is we with term limits, everyone gets two terms automatically, and no one runs against an incumbent in their after their first term because they figure, why do that when you can wait till it's an open seat? And so now, like you know, you get you know, if when you elect a supervisor, they're there for eight years, unless they do something egregiously awful, and even then, they might not might get reelected. So, you know, it becomes that's why I think we have such a dysfunctional you know government is that there's no threat to anyone. Mm-hmm. You know, whereas if you and frankly, if you had didn't have term limits and people wanted to stay in longer, they'd have to do more to keep the job. Right. Instead, by the time halfway through that second you know term. They were looking for the next job. I mean, look at David Campos. You know, he, what what does he do? He wants to run for the assembly. So, how much time did he spend doing his job, and how much did he spend, you know, running for the assembly? You know, and then he lost that, so now he wants to run for something else. So we don't know what that's going to be. But, you know, and then there's Scott Weiner. He wants to run for the state, you know, Senate. So, how much time is he doing his job, and how much time is he, you know, you know, doing something else? I mean, you know, after a while, you're beginning, you know, wonder like, well, what do we pay these people to do? Yeah. So, so what do you think are the top two or three things about Muni that need to be fixed? You know, the biggest problems it's having that you'd like to see politicians. Well, I think I think it's about. a lot of it's just the you know deferred maintenance. You know, even with the bond that we passed last year, that's still not enough to cover the, a lot of the deferred maintenance that's been put off for you know ten or fifteen, twenty years. Um, and I think that you know some of it's getting done. I mean, like when when we get the new streetcars, you know, for the N and the K and the J and the L and then the the T third line going into the you know when it goes through the Chinatown stuff, the new streetcars will make a difference because they don't break down as much. They're simpler to, to put together and take apart, fewer parts, and they're being built in Sacramento. So if there's a problem, you know mm-hmm. they can deal with it right fixed. away. And so that's one thing that's happening that's good. Um, I think that, but there's still more to be done in terms of you know aging rails and you know aging equipment that need to be taken care of. I think the other thing is just, you know, finding better ways to pay for it. Um, you know, um, Senator Mark Leno, one of the most unsung heroes of transit, I think, finally got a law passed that said the counties could vote themselves the vehicle license fee that was cut by Schwarzenegger. They could restore it back to what it was, excuse me, before it was cut. Mm-hmm. And uh, there had been talk about putting one on the ballot then it wasn't on the ballot and, you know, all this stuff. And in a telling moment, you know, last year, at least, well, I'll take care of it in 2016. But wait a minute, aren't you up for re-election? And what are you assuming here? <laughs> but, uh, but seriously, though, I think that doing things like that and getting us less dependent on the state for money and let it fund it ourselves, I think would be a good idea. And also just so they know what money is coming in. Um, we also passed a thing last year that Ed Lee threw a fit over where they would um, send money to the muni budget based on population growth. And, uh, you know, of course, now he's announcing it like, I'm giving all this money to muni. Well, a year ago, he was threatening people, saying, well, if you vote for this, you're going to be in trouble, Buster. And I'm, what? <laughs> That's civility? But I think that, you know, stable funding for muni that isn't dependent on things like parking tickets. I think parking tickets are a terrible way to fund muni. You know, I mean, I used to get a lot of parking tickets when I had car, you know, had a car. Um, they should be, they, that's the kind of thing should be reserved for like, you know, people who are blocking up, you know, disabled parking spot or causing a hazard to the public. You know, this idea that we're going to write parking tickets just to make money for the agency, 
that's not a good that doesn't build goodwill with the public but also it's not stable because if everyone starts obeying the law you don't get right to write as many tickets right you know i mean then we want people to obey the law you know we don't want to like just you know you know uh find people into you know submission and i think this is something that's become an issue now we saw you know like in ferguson you know this idea that people are getting you going to jail because they couldn't pay a ticket which went from like ten dollars or twenty dollars to a hundred dollars to five hundred dollars with fees and whatever mm-hmm. attached to them you know it happens here too you know you can go after your uh your tax refund your state tax refund if you don't pay your tickets hmm. i didn't know that yeah they went after mine and it caused me a <laughs> lot of trouble because as an independent contractor, you're always going to have problems with taxes. And I ended up having, they, I've state found an error. And I had to pay like all this extra money. And I was like, thanks guys. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Muni. You know, right. SFMTA, I guess I should say, but, but yeah. So, I mean, I think the other, and I think the other, but there's another thing that I think that, you know, uh, this is something Muni can't do a lot about, but I think people need to start asserting more control, as I said before, and stop accepting bad service. Stop accepting, Oh, that it sucks because it doesn't suck all the time. Sometimes Muni does quite well, and and same with Bard. I mean, you know, Bard's having a lot of trouble lately because, again, it's aging infrastructure. The cars are old. I mean, the cars are from the Nixon administration. Mm-hmm. Okay, and you know, we just had a situation where you know there was a track broken in, in Civic Center, shut down the whole commute. It's incredible. I mean, it's happening almost daily now. And you know, Bard wants to put another bond on the on the ballot or something. You know, and I and I wonder though if it's going to pass or if people are going to be so angry saying, "Well, you don't know what you're doing, so screw you. We're not going to pay for it. We're not going to vote for this." Mm-hmm. You know, and that's the thing about trans is you know everyone wants it to work, but people don't want to pay for it, mm-hmm. and they're going to have to start paying what it costs to do these things. And you know, if they don't want to pay for it, then fine, but then don't complain when it don't work. Right. <laughs> so, so I want to ask you some questions about your neighborhood. Sure. I always like to talk to people about what neighborhood they live in and what some of their favorite spots mm-hmm. are. So you're the inner sunset. Mm-hmm. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Um, if you had to name your three favorite things to do or places to go in your neighborhood, what would you say? Well, at Ninth and Irving, you're in the heart of the inner sunset. There's a lot of great things to do. You're a block away from the park. You're, you know, two blocks away from the Science Academy. And you're basically three blocks away from the De Young Museum. Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, those have become so popular right now. Um, you know, both the young and the science Academy do nighttime things where you can go and have a cocktail and learn about stuff. Um, they're a great attraction. You know, of course, Golden Gate park is awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, in the actual neighborhood itself, there, you know, it, the one thing that has changed in the last 10 years that I've noticed is there's more bars and restaurants. There's a mm-hmm. lot of great places to go. Um, Ibisu is probably, which was one of the best sushi restaurants in the town, is at Ninth and Irving, mm-hmm. you know. Um, uh, Pacific Catch just remodeled, and they've got a, one of the best happy hours in town that I've I've seen with, especially with food that was all fresh fish and everything and sushi rolls or whatever. But it's if you go to happy hour, it's pretty reasonably priced. Um, of course, the Blackthorn Tavern. Shout out to all my friends who are. I'll have to go. Watching. I'll have to go have a beer there. Yeah, I've heard you mention that a few times. Yeah, it's, my, it's, it's been, been it's been one of my favorite bars for. That's your ages. neighborhood. That's where I that's where I go. I mean, it's a yeah. block away from the place, and you know, I know you know I know everyone that goes there, and know all the bartenders, and the owner, and stuff, and you know, uh, it, it's a, but it's a great bar though because it's got a lot to. Every night there's something new going on. Like Mondays they have trivia, Tuesdays they have a giveaway for Giants tickets. Hmm. For every time you buy a drink, you get a ticket, and then like uh, you uh, they do a raffle for really good Giants tickets. 
And last year I won six times. Dang. I only took the tickets four times. And then the, after that, I, I would, every, if I won, I'd give away the tickets. I'd say, here, give them back and give them to someone else, mm-hmm. you know? Because uh, if you win four times, that's kind of a lot. <laughs> but um, I won't explain how I did that. Um, but it's a cool bar, you know? And it's, it's seen some changes, and it's, it's, it's a good place. So they make it think of good, good, uh, good bartenders, you know? Um, they know how to make a drink. Mm-hmm. Um, the same owner also owns Cabin over on Polk Street, okay. which I've is also there. a great bar. It used to be... Um, Bigfoot Lodge, right? Um, but yeah, I guess I, I I don't think I have been in since they changed it from Bigfoot Lodge to Cabin. It's really nice. It's all new inside. It's but without being looking new, it's like it looks like it's been there for a while. But it's all it's very clean. Mm-hmm. Um, very nice bar though. Very nice bar. Um, but there's also a brewery, Social Kitchen Brewery. Been there. I really like that place. That place is really good. And then there was um, you know, if you want to get a little bit more uh divey or whatever right from you know mucky duck some people i don't go there but like it's okay and there's yancey's which is like r- right around the corner from my place i don't go there only because they don't they don't take cards mm. uh, but it is a good place if you have a large group and you, know, you sometimes see like a large group from like the uc sf or whatever you, if you want to go watch a game with a bigger group of people they can accommodate that i still would rather go to the blackthorn um <laughs> um what else? Um, one of the best sub sandwich places, um, which I'll, you know, uh, the yellow submarine. Yes. Yeah. I, I, That's one of the once. best. That was really good. Well, it's a bargain too. When you figure how much you're spending and how much you're yeah, getting, it's, huge. it's a great deal. Now there's another place that opened up. It used to be the cheese shop. Now it's Irving subs over mm-hmm. on uh, 12th and Irving, not very far from where I used to live. I've never been there since they switched only because they're closed on Sundays. Mm. So that's the one I would usually go get a sandwich and go watch a game and they're not open. But people who go there seem to like it. So um, so let's say you had to move away from San Francisco. Ugh. I've done that twice now. and I'm not. <laughs> but if you had to do it again, um, and it was going to be for a while, how would you spend your last day in San Francisco before you left? I'd ride all the cable cars first <laughs> and then probably take a long ride on the end from the point you know end to end you know where is that where where is starts the out at ocean beach and ends over by the ballpark oh that's a nice ride goes, yeah you, you could do beta quick, breakers pretty yeah much. pretty pretty much you know then you get off and take the t-line all the way to the end you know ride all the streetcars you know because i've done that you can do it in a day um but i probably also stop and get like a stop at tommy's joint star stop at some other of my other favorite places you know places that you know that you can't get anywhere else you know that's what i would do and just you know Maybe go up to Twin Peaks and take some pictures. Uh, maybe go to Land's End, um, Cliff House. I was just there on Saturday, by the way. It was, it was awesome. Um, where else would I go? Oh, and the Golden Gate Bridge. Yeah. You Can't know, you, you cannot re- replicate that anywhere else. I don't care what anyone says, you know. Um, but I would hate to leave, but I mean... I'm not. I'm open to the idea, but I just don't want to. I mean, it's like I don't want to move. I've been enough other places, and I like them too. You know, I don't have to live here, but you know, I mean, I could move to Vegas where it's really cheap to live and you know own a house with a pool. I but what would I do there? You know, yeah. you know, what, what would be the point? You know, um, and uh, like I said, I've been away enough times where I realize, I you know, I'm I supposed to be here. You know. I wouldn't want to live everywhere, anywhere else in the in the city. You know, I mean, I have, and I like them too. I house sat in Knob Hill for a while, mm-hmm. and I did that for about six months, and that was fun. You know, because I could take the cable car and stuff, 
because I was right on Washington Street, but it was, wasn't the same. You know, I like where I live now where I, I know people. Mm-hmm. You know, when I go out every day to go to my P.O. box, you know, I can, I'll see someone I know, you know, I can stop off at the Blackthorn. I'm going to see someone I know there. You know, you know, you hear what's going on and stuff, and it's fun, you know, and that's what I like the most about just living there, doing the blog or whatever. It's like nice have to be so settled, you mm-hmm. know, after for years just be, you know, moving all around all over the place and just kind of being kind of unsettled all the time, you know. So you can see Greg's just another guy like me who loves living in San Francisco and thinks this is just a perfect place for him. Uh, go check out his N. Judah Chronicles blog at njudachronicles.com. After the interview, I went back and read his first post from 2005, and it is a pretty funny rant, so I'd encourage you guys uh, all to go do that. If you want to read even more about Greg, um, go check out my website, sfpeoplepodcast.com. Um, from the front page, you can click on Greg's article and get a recap of the show and links to everything we talked about, including links to all the favorite places he talked about in his neighborhood and throughout SF. If you're on Twitter, you can follow the show at SF People Podcast. And if you have any new guests in mind uh, to be on my show, um, tag them with a hashtag SF People on Twitter or shoot me an email to frank at sfpeoplepodcast.com. Thanks again to everyone for listening to the show. We'll be back in a few weeks. I'm Frank Garza for San Francisco People.